We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back into the Hook'em Hoops podcast brought to you by the Field of 68. I'm Jason Kinander, joined by Tommy Yarish to recap another exciting week of Big 12 basketball with the Texas Longhorns splitting their two games, maybe not in the way that we would expect, Tommy, losing to UCF at home on Wednesday and then beating Baylor at the buzzer yesterday. Let's hear some rapid-fire thoughts first on yesterday's game against the Baylor Bears. Well, Jason, I've always said that this team kind of goes how Tyrese Hunter goes, and that's proven once again in a win against a top 10 team. You know, uh, I think Texas at home undefeated still against top 10 teams, and they continue that stretch beating what I think is a very good Scott Drew Baylor team. Uh, But Tyrese Hunter, 21 points. He shot the ball extremely well. I think he had four threes in the first half. Um, Fantastic play. And then obviously, of course, the game winner at the end. But when he plays well and when he's scoring, when he's playing fast, when he has that quick step like you saw on that final play of the game, Texas is going to be in games down the stretch, and they're going to be playing in contention for wins, even in a conference like the Big 12. And so that just gets proven once again. I thought Caden Shedrick coming off the bench played really well. He hasn't had a very efficient game in quite a while, but he comes in this game and adds in 10 points off the bench. I think that was really big. He looked a lot more comfortable. I know that the injuries have been bothering him. He took a tough hit against UCF. He kind of, he got yammed on and then kind of landed awkwardly after that. But comes out and has a really good game against, against Baylor. And then, you know, defensively, I think this was the best. Texas only won on a buzzer beater, but they still played some of their best defense that they've played all season. So, a lot of a lot of good things to take away from this Baylor game, but you certainly don't want it to be this close, I think, just because you think about how well Texas played in the first half. They hit nine of 11 threes and only led by one point. Like, what is that? Uh, and then they go out in the second half and they don't make a single three. So, uh, you know, a lot of things to, to consider. But if you're Rodney Terry, if you're Texas, after the week they've had, you take a victory against a top 10 team at home. 
Absolutely. And the two things that I want to talk about, I'll expand on your point about the defense. I thought that the guard play defensively was really, really good. And that's something that I have talked about a lot on this show, especially in conference play, is how the guard play really needs to be that anchor on defense. And Ray J. Dennis only shot the ball twice, but that's Baylor's number two leading scorer. And he only scored two points going into the game against a smaller guard in Max Aces. Ray J. Dennis is a back-to-the-basket scorer, even though he is Baylor's point guard. And he only scored two points. The defensive effort and the strategy from Texas on Saturday against Baylor was very strong. Now, another thing that we've talked about a lot are the lineups that Rodney Terry has went with. And he talked before the West Virginia game that Dylan DeSue would be starting the rest of the year. That's good. The next thing that we were asking for is Brock Cunningham to be out of the starting lineup. We finally saw Rodney Terry make that move on Wednesday against UCF, putting Ithiel Horton in the starting lineup. And Horton exploded for 20 points after not scoring in the previous three games. So Ithiel Horton is starting to get his legs under him. Brock Cunningham, as a result, is out of the lineup. But, Tommy, the thing that I want to talk about the most regarding the lineup is yesterday down the stretch, Texas was playing a lineup of Acemas, Hunter, Kendall Weaver, Dylan Mitchell, and Dylan DeSue. We've been clamoring for these extra Kendall Weaver minutes all year. I don't think either of us expected him to play in the final two minutes against Baylor at home in a must-win game. But, Tommy, he looked great. Do you think that Rodney Terry is starting to figure out his winning lineups? And there maybe aren't the lineups that we expected them to be in non-conference play, at the start of conference play, but he started to think outside the box and it's resulted in a win against Baylor. Tommy, what do you think about what RT did with the lineup construction? Well, I did like it down the stretch, but I also kind of have to remember that at that point in the game, I think DeSue and Shedrick both had three or four fouls. So usually you would probably want those two on the court at the same time, but I think what Rodney Terry did with kind of swishing them in and out, keeping DeSue in for the offensive side of the ball since he was drawing some fouls down low, and then keeping Shedrick in for some help on defense was the better decision. You saw Kane Shedrick come up with a huge block down the stretch, and then you saw DeSue get the big and one the other way offensively. So that ends up working out. But you and I have talked a lot about Kendall Weaver, like you mentioned, and he comes up big. I think that that I think it was under a minute to go, and he tips out an offensive rebound. That essentially won them the game. The shot clock gets turned off there, and they get to go ahead after that. Uh, I think that was. I think that led to the Dassault and one, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember exactly, but nonetheless, that being able to to drain some more time off the clock with that offensive board was huge. And when Kendall Weavers played, there have been those mistakes and those young guy growing up moments, but. That is a big confidence builder, and that is a big sign of maturity, in my opinion, to be able to trust your guy down the stretch like that, even when you're some of your best players are in foul trouble because you got to turn to somebody. So putting in Kendall Weaver in that situation tells me that Rodney Terry has continued to earn his trust and Weaver's continued to prove himself. He did so again on Saturday in a really big way. It may not show, you know, on the score sheet and that's fine, but you make plays like that, you hustle on defense and, you know, you're, you're going to stick around here at the, at the high major NCAA level. Yeah. Another thing that I really want to talk about regarding last night's or yesterday, Saturday's game against Baylor is, the fact that this is a situation where Texas would fold over and die in previous non-conference, previous conference games with 
them having a lead in the first half, the lead never got stretched out maybe to where it should have been with them shooting nine of 11 from three in the first half, but they led by seven. And then in the second half kind of slipped up. Baylor had the lead. We're leading by six with less than 10 minutes to go. And Tommy, I thought the game was going to be over at that point. Baylor was really filling it up. They were getting open looks from the perimeter. Texas wasn't playing physical. They weren't getting good looks, settling for shots, bad baseline jumpers. And then Texas just figured it out. Tyrese Hunter hit a couple of layups. He makes some really strong, aggressive plays on both ends of the court with his defensive intensity. And he runs the court the best out of any of Texas's guards. So when he's getting it going in transition, Texas's offense is really firing on all cylinders. And then, Tommy, this is the third game that Texas has had that has been decided, third win, that has been decided by a last-second shot. And those happen to be Texas's three biggest wins of the year. There are two games in in conference play that they have won, and then a game against Louisville that, given Texas's resume or lack thereof right now, they just could not afford to lose. So, in conclusion, I thought that the Baylor win was a huge win. Goes without saying that it's Texas's biggest win of the year. Max Aceves had a great all-around performance, 15 points, seven assists, and five rebounds. He wasn't hitting his shots in the second half, so he started contributing in other ways. That's huge for him as a fifth-year senior, veteran leader, to show that he can contribute to winning in ways other than scoring. That's something that people did not expect from him going into this year. So we do need to pivot a little bit to talk about the game on Wednesday against UCF, the worst loss of the season for Texas. And it's not even all about what happened during the 40 minutes of basketball. There was an issue after the game with Rodney Terry getting upset about a couple of the UCF players shooting the horns down. And then he doubled down on it in the post-game press conference. Tommy, let me hear your thoughts first about the game, the loss to UCF. What does this affect Texas? How does this affect Texas's resume and can the Longhorns, even though they ended up beating Baylor on Saturday, can their resume recover from a loss like this? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, yes, I think it can. I think we're still way too early in this to say that one single loss like this can, you know, define someone's season. Like, look at West Virginia. They come out and win a big one last night, too. So I, I, I would say I'll pump the brakes on that a little bit, but that doesn't excuse the fact this is a really ugly loss for Texas. Um, in a game where they led by, I think it was, what, 16 points? or 17, 12 to six, points. 17 points, thank you, in the second half. And you let UCF outscore you 45 to 27 in the final 20 minutes. 
that just can't happen on your home floor too. I mean, Texas has played unbelievably well at home in the Moody Center. So, you know, that that's disturbing. And uh, I think that it's, while it is disturbing, you look at what happened now against Baylor and you say, okay, everybody learned something from this, right? Like you, you, you can't have that. You really can't. And that's not a knock on UCF. You know, they played extremely well. Uh, Jaden Sellers, like we like we talked about coming into the game, I thought he was going to have a big night. He comes in and drops 24 off the bench. So it's another instance where Texas's defense just is what it is, but it can't get to that point. And it did. And so UCF comes out and, and gets a big win on the road. And then that causes the the pile of drama afterward do you want me to touch on that now or do you want to give some thoughts about the game I can push that for later no you can touch on it now I think that it's it's probably other than beating Baylor at the buzzer the biggest piece of news all week which Texas has really went out of their way to try and prevent after the Chris Beard off the court situation last season yeah they they certainly don't need any more drama but they got it and you know I'll say this I don't think Rodney Terry is a bad person at all. In fact, I've spoken to plenty of people about him and they've just raved about him and how he is as a person and as a coach. You know, what I saw in the UCF line and in the ne- the press conference after the game was just, you know, heat of the moment actions, competitive fire, but that doesn't make them acceptable. Ronnie Terry is the head coach of the University of Texas. That is going to warrant a lot of hatred everywhere you go, whether it's the Big 12 or the Big Sky, like everywhere you go you're going to have a target on your back. And even at home, you're going to have a target on your back from the opposing team. You're going to get everybody's best shot on any given night. So if you aren't prepared with your best shot to counter that, then things like this happen and you lose. And when you do lose, everybody's going to let you know about it. They're going to throw the horns down. They're going to talk smack to you in the line. That's basketball. That's competitiveness. And that's what you get. That's what you sign up for when you coach at Texas. So to see him get his emotions have the best of him in that line is a little bit surprising and honestly just a terrible look. If we're being honest, it's not a good look because if you are preaching class and winning with pride, winning with, you know, winning with class, I think is is something along the lines of what he said. You can't be in the handshake line cussing out college students for celebrating a victory. That's just hypocrisy in my opinion. So the, if you go on the road in the Big 12 and pick up a huge win, obviously you're going to celebrate. You're going to do the horns down. You have to expect that. When you blow a 17-point lead in the second half, it's embarrassing, and you're going. You're not only embarrassed from losing the game, but obviously the opposing team is going to is going to talk their talk and let you know about it. So you sign up for that. That's what you expect for. And what's crazy to me about this whole thing is this is nothing new for Rodney Terry. He's been at Texas for well over a decade in his career. He's gotten horns down thrown at him and his team before. This is nothing new. I don't know if there was anything said maybe in the in the handshake line or throughout the game that everything just built up and he finally just got too upset about it. But that doesn't mean it's acceptable. Even if something like that did happen, you can't do that. You have to bottle that up. There is nothing, you have no right to talk back to anybody if you just blew a double-digit lead on your home court to UCF. There, There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that. There's nothing you could say that puts you in the right. So him boiling over like that is, is you know, 
like I said, essentially hypocrisy, but from what he said, and I even saw, you know, in the post-game presser too, he said, we don't jump up and down like we won a national championship or something like that. And then everybody was jumping up and down in the Baylor win yesterday. So it, it not, not the best of looks and it's just hypocritical and it makes everybody in the building look bad. It makes the program look bad, it makes the players look bad. So that's not something that this Texas team needs, especially potentially coming into Saturday's game on a three game. It would have been a three game losing streak had they lost that game. So Roddy Terry just has to be better. And he knows that he knows that he has to be better. So now he just has to show it going forward. Yeah. And th I think it's worth mentioning that he did apologize for the entire situation in the post-game press conference on Saturday against Baylor, he apologized to UCF head coach Johnny Dawkins, to the UCF program, to the Texas fans for misrepresenting the program. So I think that, you know, we can kind of tie a knot on this and seal it. With that being said, my thoughts here, I think that, you know, Rodney Terry's human. Texas just lost a game where they blew a 17-point second half lead in a game that, you know, we're going to be talking about that that game against UCF in March, unfortunately. When we're comparing resumes and looking at the best and worst of each team, that game is going to be mentioned in the same breath as Texas until they find out if they're on or off the bubble on Selection Sunday. And Rodney Terry knew that in the moment. And so I think that him lashing out at the players and getting upset about the horns down, I think was a little bit more of a figment of the fact that Texas just lost this huge game Key to the moment, we know RT is a very passionate coach. We see him on the sidelines all the time, courtside, you know, pumping the fist and kicking his leg out and getting all animated. We love it. You know, the Texas faithful fans, everyone around the program loves it. Nobody's asking for any less of that. But I agree with you that it comes off as very hypocritical, especially when you're calling out college students. You know, UCF program, their first year in the Big 12, no one's expecting anything out of them. And then they beat Kansas last week. And then the, the game after it, they beat texas on the road like i'd be i'd be pumped too i'd be doing more than the horns down you know i can i can <laughs> promise you that much so my last thought on that ucf game and i mentioned this at the start of the show 20 points off in the starting lineup for ithiel horton ithiel horton started that game out of nowhere he would not have been my choice to start in lieu of brock cunningham after ithiel horton himself hadn't scored the past few games and I think that was Rodney Terry getting him back into the starting five as kind of a confidence booster. Like, okay, you're going to get your looks. We're going to get you good rhythm shots. Like, we know that Ithiel Horton thrives in two types of scoring. The off-the-pass three-point shot, and then when he creates off the dribble sort of towards the free-throw line. And that's how he scored against UCF. He was very efficient from the field, shot over 70%, had – you know, his best game in a Texas uniform against his former team. Now he followed that up with the two point performance against Baylor, but they didn't necessarily need him as much against Baylor. So it was good to see that when Ithiel Horton was called upon when he hadn't been playing his best basketball, you know, we always ask, we always wonder how that affects a guy's psyche, how that affects him mentally. And he ended up having his best game in a Texas uniform. That was a huge revelation in the loss. So I'll be looking for a lot more if you'll hoard, especially as we have these road games. Tommy, Texas plays OU and Norman. Now, we know that that's a rivalry and it doesn't carry over as much to the basketball court. But still two schools that generally don't like each other, as we know. And then what I think is going to be the biggest road test, not named Kansas or Houston of the year on Saturday playing BYU in Utah. I'm just so interested to see how Texas looks in that game. But we're only going to preview OU because we're planning on talking in between then and the BYU game to preview that game. So we'll get we'll go with this OU preview. OU just beat Cincinnati uh, at home 
or on the road, I believe it was, at Fifth Third Bank Arena on Saturday. A big win for the Sooners, who will be ranked for this matchup on Tuesday. Tommy, I think that the big mismatch here is the guard play. Texas's guard play has been good recently. The offense has been good, and they look good defensively against Baylor. But OU has a dynamic three-headed monster of guards in JV on the column, Milos Uzan, and the big guy who I'm worried about, Otega Owe, that I think will be a big-time mismatch for Texas. What do you think the keys are for Texas heading into Norman? Every game is a must-win situation, but Texas would really like to have this one to go on their first win streak, so to speak, of conference play. What do you think the big matchups are here for Texas against OU? As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. Yeah, I think you mentioned the biggest one. I think stopping Otega Owe is by far the biggest key to this game. I, just looking at his numbers, he averages 14 points a game. That's good and all. You look at his shooting numbers, he shoots 55% from the field and 59% from three. Are you kidding me? Texas has given up so many perimeter looks this year that if Owe is hot, he might have 60 points in this game just because the Longhorns have struggled so much to defend the perimeter. And, you know, I, I make that joke, but I want to go back to the Baylor game very quickly and point out something that I thought was interesting. Jason, maybe you remember this, but aside from Jalen Bridges' three with five seconds left in the half, when do you think Baylor's last field goal in the second half was? They went like seven or eight minutes, I believe, without scoring uh, down the stretch, right? They went nine minutes and five seconds with no field goals in the second half. And Texas won on a buzzer beater. That's very telling to me. That is, you know, it doesn't matter who you play. That's a dangerous game to play. You know, honestly, yeah. it, it's it, it's a miracle that Texas won by two, in my opinion. If Baylor finds their shooting stroke, they could have walked out of there with a double-digit victory. But you also have to kind of credit the Texas defense, I guess. You kept the ball out of the basket for over nine minutes in, down the stretch. So stopping, continuing that kind of defensive play, especially 
against Oklahoma's dynamic guards is going to be the biggest key for me in this game and making sure that Owe isn't shooting threes at a high clip or even scoring at a high clip considering how well he has all year. And then Javion McCollum is equally as dangerous. You know, he averages another close to 15 points a game, and then he gets you those three assists, four assists a night as well. So something that the Longhorns have struggled a lot with is being able to stop those guards who can do it all and and stretch the floor and not stretch the floor rather, but shoot the ball really well from the perimeter. And so that that to me is is the biggest part of this game. Yeah, I think that, you know, matchups wise, this might be one of the only Big 12 games where Texas can actually match the bench scoring of the opponent. OU has two guys who come off the bench. They're veterans. John Hewley, the transfer from Pitt, and then Rivaldo Suarez, the transfer from Oregon. Two great players, but given the way that Texas's bench guys, the two top guys off their bench have played in Caden Shedrick and Kendall Weaver, if Texas can match that and make it sort of a five on five game throughout, I like the Longhorns here. On a talent stand from a talent standpoint, I think this has all the makes of a big Dylan DeSue game. OU's big guys are good defensively, but offensively are not strong. And if Texas can get going in transition, get DeSue some of his open three-point shots, he has looked so good from beyond the arc this year, truly scoring at all three levels from three and his his post hooks and floaters, and then obviously down low. And so Dylan DeSue can get going, 20-plus points for him. If Tyrese Hunter and Max Aismas can put in another 20 points and then Texas can match the bench scoring of Oklahoma, I think that this is a game that the Longhorns can steal. It's not going to be this raucous atmosphere in Norman. It's not a basketball school. You know, I could be proven wrong, and if we see this crazy atmosphere on Tuesday night where, you know, the horns downs getting thrown, especially after what happened last week, then I'll stand corrected. But I think that Texas has a chance to steal one here really against an OU team that I think has been overrated in the metrics show that they're, you know, the, their net ranking and the Ken Palm ranking and some of their efficiency ratings on offense and defense don't line up with their top 15 rating in the AP poll. And that's kind of a common theme. So I think that Texas can go into Norman, steal a win, have momentum, that's back-to-back wins against two rival-type teams in Baylor and OU, two tournament teams, top-five-seeded teams at this point of the season. And then you head into BYU for a massive game against another team that's on that top-five, top-four seed line in the top half of the Big 12. And if te- if Texas can, you know, if the veterans can keep playing the way that they've been playing, like I thought the big thing against UCF was the fact that only Ithiel Horton was scoring. Max Aismas was able to fill it up a little bit, but Dylan DeSue was quiet. Tyrese Hunter was quiet. Those guys did seven points each. If Dylan DeSue and Tyrese Hunter are scoring in double figures, if they're scoring at their averages every night, Texas can probably win most games because Caden Shedrick and Max Aismas and, um, you know, and Dylan Mitchell – those guys are talents that other teams aren't necessarily going to be able to match up with, especially with the way that some of them have been playing in wins this season. So I think if we get a signature game out of DeSue or Aismas, Texas matches the, the, the bench play and they win that matchup with the bigs that they should win because on paper it's a mismatch. Tommy, I think Texas can win this one in Norman on Tuesday. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Jason. I think this is this is not too good of a matchup, especially for, for the guards offensively for Oklahoma, just because of the way that they've been playing. I think they have a really good night, especially Otega Owe. I think he has a, a phenomenal night shooting the ball. And then 
you know, you, you can look at Javian McCollum and Milo Suzan and be like, okay, yeah, those guys have good games as well. So I think that makes up for what you mentioned earlier with Oklahoma's big men not really giving you too much on the offensive side of the ball. And then you pair that with what I think should be a pretty good environment, considering everything that's happened in the past week and considering that it's Texas and Oklahoma just hates everything that has to do with Texas because that's what makes rivalries great. Uh, I believe also a new arena in Norman this season. If I'm not mistaken, right? They have a new basketball arena. I might have seen. Do they? I might have seen something wrong on that. But um, they played really well at home. They've only lost one game, and it was to North Carolina. I think you can give them. You know, you can give them that. But uh, I've said in earlier episodes, I really like Porter Moser as a coach, and I think now that he's got his guys at Oklahoma, he can really get this show on the road. And so far. He's really done that this season. I think that they've played extremely well. Their only losses are to Kansas, TCU, and North Carolina. Those are three really good losses to have on your resume. Jason, I know you love TCU, and you've even got me jumping on the, the TCU wagon uh, through some of our conversations. So uh, I like Oklahoma in this game. Texas on the road has has struggled at times. They struggled in Morgantown, and I think they they struggle a little bit here too. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying about that. I do think that the, the the guard matchup is what worries me here. I think that OU really hit gold in the transfer portal this summer when they landed JV on the column, the transfer out of Siena. And Otega Owe, I mean, his shooting splits, I didn't – like I had to look at how much he was shooting per game when I was looking at his numbers before doing the show because I was like, there's no way he's shooting that high. No, he's just an incredibly efficient offensive offensive player. He does do a lot of his scoring inside, which is what makes me wonder if if Oklahoma will look um, to expose a mismatch with him and Max Aismas. Aismas will likely be on JV on McCollum, but Baylor was unable to get Ray J. Dennis going with his back-to-the-basket inside scoring. Otega Owe is a similar phenotype of offensive scorer. I think that OU will look to highlight that mismatch, but – Texas has a mismatch of their own down low, and Dylan DeSue has looked good, especially in the wins. Game against Cincinnati, he had 33 points. Against Baylor, he had the big and one down the stretch. He also had 17 points to be Texas's second leading scorer in that game. So you have Texas down for a loss. I have Texas down for a win. I promise this will be the last time I predict them to win on the road if they lose this game. Um, but I, I really have a good feeling with this. I think it's a little bit more that I think OU has been misvalued, overvalued, um, really more particularly um, in this early part of the conference play type of season. But who knows? I mean, any given night in the Big 12, anybody can go out and win. And so we'll certainly have a lot to talk about the next time that we meet. That's all for us today. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Hope that you're staying warm wherever you are watching. It's been freezing cold in Austin lately. As for, yeah, yeah, uh, for uh, Hook'em Hoops podcast and for the Field of 68, I'm Jason Canander. He's Tommy Yarish. We hope that y'all stay well. We'll talk to you soon. Sick. Awesome.